the Severe MMA Google Hangout has made its triumphant return, the second coming. Um, we are joined by a host of people this time. Instead of just the usual one guest, we thought the biggest fight in MMA history, Irish MMA history, uh, deserves an illustrious panel. Joined as always, my new co-host Sean Sheehan. What's the crack? Sean, say something. Hello there. Oh, I'm gonna. There you there. And Peter Carroll. Yo, what's happening? And uh, most importantly, the man that we've rolled out the red carpet for myself and Sean Sheehan, red t-shirts as a signifier, Jeremy Botter from Bleacher Report, and Peter Carroll's new best friend. Woo! That's right. That's Jeremy, right. I don't Thanks think for having me, guys. Oh, I can hear you. I can hear you. I was about to say I couldn't hear you, but it's all right. Um, so a lot of stuff to talk about. We were supposed to be treated to the magnificent fight, Conor McGregor versus Jose Aldo. Um, and I think it goes to show how MMA people can overreact. You know, on Twitter, we only get a little bit of information at the time. So many people start questioning Jose Aldo and throwing him under the bus after the UFC said, yeah, it's no problem. He only has a bruised rib. Our doctor cleared that. Then the scans come out. A lot of doctors independently comment on it. Turns out, fractured rib and a pretty bad injury. Jeremy Botter, you were the guy that did the most research on this. I know you spoke to a couple of doctors about it. What was the general consensus? Yeah, I mean, the consensus is you look at this thing, and, and even me with, I mean, I have some medical experience when I was in the, the art, and look at this and go, yeah, that's a broken rib. It's uh, pretty easy to see, and I talked to four doctors, including Dr. James Chow, the, the guy who uh, put out the results to begin with. Um, I talked to him for a while, and, you know, yeah, he's like, yeah, I mean, any doctor in the world would look at this thing and think it's a broken rib. That seems to be the indication from every, you know, every doctor, every surgeon, everybody that I've talked to is, you know, I don't see how anybody can look at that and go and think it's a bruise rib. You just can't. Do you think that the it's we've seen the UFC do it before? Threw John Jones under the bus, you could say, proverbially earlier on in the year. Now Jose Aldo, in my opinion, their greatest current champion, uh, one of the most exciting champions over the year. Aldo then retaliated about the whole we're creating an interim belt because he's pulled out of five title fights by saying that if he had have took part in those fights, statistically he would have been one of the most active UFC champions ever. And even now, he still fights on average and defends his belt two times a year. Yeah, they have a bad habit of doing that, don't they? Just, you know, I mean, when somebody doesn't do what they want and it's very public, they, they throw them under the bus. And then later they face the problem of trying to promote them again, which I, I don't understand that idea. I know that's how Dana White is. Uh, not so much Lorenzo Fertitta, but I know that's how Dana is. Uh, I think it's a little bit embarrassing. I think it's kind of a bad look for the company, but that's the way they've always operated historically. You know, if you're not one of their guys, uh, you know who they have their favorites, uh, and if you're not one of those guys, they, they will gladly throw you under the bus if you don't do what they want you to do, and that's what happened here with Jose Aldo. Peter Carroll, the man on the ground of Irish MMA, is his finger on the pulse. It seemed like over here, all of them were, all the fans were very quick to say Jose Aldo's a pussy, he's afraid of Conor McGregor, all of this stuff that he wanted to get out of the fight. What was your general take on it? Because, as I said, either through Facebook, Twitter, you know, we get to see a lot of the, the reactions here because we follow a lot of the people. Yeah, no, I just thought his rib was broken from the, the word go. You know, I think there was too much money on the line for Aldo this time around. Um, you know, he'd never, he's never going to get a payday like this. Maybe, maybe had, he, had he gone out and knocked Connor out in the first round completely, ended that kind of train, he would have gone on and, taking the success he gained from all this publicity and brought it on to a new opponent. But there was too much money on the line for him. I never, never thought it was anything else but a broken rib. And, um, you know, the rest of it, to me, 
to me has just been a bit of a circus to decide, decide like the you know everything else about these drug tests and stuff. It is worth noting though after after the guys went across and they've taken they've taken them uh, they said they've had legitimate documents and stuff. So I mean there is a talking point there, but for me it was always Allo Allo was his rib was injured. Peter, I have to say, you look like a rap album cover because whenever you look down a little bit, all I can see is one eye and the big B that's on your hat. You're looking, you're looking dope, my friend, as we in the hip hop world say. Um, one other thing on the whole Irish reaction, like we see how many people are going over, but we also have found out now that a couple of people have been cancelling their trips or selling them on to other people because they wanted to see the Jose Aldo fight. Do you think this Chad Mendes Conor McGregor is going to be as big of a draw? I don't anyway. I don't. It's obviously not going to be as big as Aldo was, but it, the question is, how big is it still going to be? And that, I suppose we we'll get onto that more in a, in, a li- in a little bit. But just last thing on Aldo, like there was a reason to be kind of cautious about him before, like when we were told, okay, he said he had a fractured rib, then the UFC said it was a bone bruise or whatever. <clears throat> but then when he, like, with the drugs test and with everything, there was a reason to kind of to think about it and to be like, what's actually happening here? Is there fuckery at work here? Like, But once those pictures came out, as Jeremy said there, and like, once it was proven beyond any doubt, he had to pull out. Like, this fight wouldn't have been the same. And I think a lot of people were saying, okay, he could have fought regardless, and he probably could have fought regardless, but it's making the weight that's going to be the issue. Uh, like anyone could walk in there and take a beating, but it's not—it's not that easy, especially for a guy who like Jose Aldo who struggles to make the weight uh, to get in there and make it. So, on short notice, Chad Mendes coming in—I suppose it's about as good as we could have expected. Jerry, on this, or Jeremy, on the subject of pay-per-views, as someone, as I always uh, say, that we over here get it very easy in how we're able to actually watch UFC events. We don't have to worry about pay-per-view prices and stuff like that. As someone who's been around the UFC over there for a long time and understands the model a little bit better. How much of an impact, how much of a loss are the UFC going to look at with the replacement of Chad Mendes coming in? Or is it simply the fact, although people don't want to admit it, I know UFC 178 hasn't, uh, didn't do very well, and the last card in the United States on Fox Sports 1, is Conor McGregor going to be a commodity for the UFC on pay-per-view? Or is Aldo the only reason people are going to tune in? Well, I think we're going to find out. Uh, because nobody's ever tuned in for Aldo before. Uh, so I think we're going to find out how big of a draw. I think we would have found out either way how big of a draw Connor is uh, because this show is sold on him. It's not sold on Aldo. Nobody, he's the lowest-ranked champion uh, that, they've, that they've had, which is insane because he's so good. Uh, I think this show is sold on Conor McGregor and what he's done, and we're going to find out. I think that – I mean, I, I don't think it would have hit a million. I think you were looking at probably 900,000, 950,000 for, for Aldo and McGregor. I think you're probably still looking at seven, seven twenty-five 725 here if uh, his drawing power is as um, good as I suspect it is. You know, that UFC 178 number, I mean, I know it was reported by people, but um, I've heard that it was actually it's a little bit higher, uh, closer to 400,000, 450,000. Um, so I think, I think he actually already does have some drawing power. I, I mean, I think we're going to find out if I'm right. I, I, I don't really know. There's a lot of unknowns just because it is his first main event. We're going to find out. I think as well, like the morning after that announcement came out about his Fox numbers, what was it, 3.1 million or something like that? I think I was actually talking to Pizzi, and like I was saying, this this is a life changer for Conor McGregor. And I suppose that that wasn't one way, but if this weekend can go well for him as well, if he can draw a lot of numbers for the pay-per-view, it's 100% a life changer because he's going to be like 
the Chelsea on, and even if he loses, he's going to be put into fights because he can draw the numbers. Like we know, last year was reported as the UFC's worst uh, financial year ever, and they've obviously had a good start to this year. But if they can get a guy like Conor McGregor, when guys like John Jones, Anderson Silva, GSP, and all are gone, who can be a draw on television, like he's proven to be, or and if he can prove to be a draw on um, pay-per-view this weekend, this this is huge for him. So. I think there's a lot of talk about um, like this being a, kind of a proving ground for McGregor, or like this. This it seems like if he loses, this <laughs> he's not going to be like he's not going to just disappear off the face of the planet, which a lot of people kind of seem to be pushing that narrative. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think he is going to be a good draw. All the, all the signs point to him being a good draw before we actually find out for real. But um, yeah, I suppose we can get on to like the short notice uh, thing just as well. One one thing in that just for Pizzi, because I know we're talking about it here from two points of view, like the the buy rates. And um, Pizzi, yourself and myself have been lucky enough to see uh, the Conor McGregor career sort of unfold in the last couple of years. When we're talking about Conor fighting in the states, we've seen the rise of people from the first Boston card, and then heading over to Vegas to see him fight over there, and then heading over to Boston earlier on in the year again. Like what's do you like? You've seen the increase. We've we've noticed it from way in to way in to way in, and then planes going out at the start. Planes going out. What is this one going to be like in comparison? I think this is a a lot of pe- a lot of people's. It, it's it's going to be the biggest kind of sporting trip they've ever gone on uh, for Irish people. You know, I was talking about it earlier with me with me mom, me dad, and I was saying, you know, like for years we've been hearing about this song. Oh no. Peter Carroll is frozen in time. <laughs> it's the hat. It's the Boston hat. Definitely the hat. I'm I will resend him a link. Oh wait, no. Did he make a noise there? I think he did. What's Pizzi. going on? Ah, uh, okay. You're back. Just, uh, you were talking to your mother and father. Yeah, about Italian 90. You know? Can you hear me now? Am I okay? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. And like I was saying, you know the way, even now, 25 years after, people always speak of that summer and what that meant to them and all. And I, I, I think we don't really have anything like that now, and this is the closest thing we have to it. I'm not trying to say it's going to be a comparison, but there, there's so many things to draw in, like the songs that they're singing, you know, they, they kind of, Connor's up there, he, he's rubbing shoulders with the, with the best fighters in the world, he's competing with them, and he looks like he's going to stay there. I think it, it means a lot of people to be here to see him now because they think it's going to be something that people talk, to, talk about for a long time afterwards. And we've seen the crowds grow every time we go to America. This is going to be, what, 24% of the crowd, they're saying? I'd say it's going to be absolutely amazing, the atmosphere in the place. I'd say it's going to be crazy, especially when we hear about this entrance music. Huh? Come on. <laughs> it's going to be brilliant. Um, although I am pretty upset Rihanna will not be performing Run This Town because... That's what, was, that's what I get. Go on. It's, it's my, my must-see entrance. Yeah, I, that that was what I heard was going down all right over there. I thought I was out to get myself into some serious shit on that tour. I was so bad at tour. Terrible. <laughs> I don't know what to what to hold yeah. back and what to give the people. Yeah, you're verified. Just gonna stick to the dick pics. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Sean, Jeremy is not shaking his head in disapproval. Sean, you were talking about short notice there. I'm gonna ask you this. Yeah. Who, who does it benefit more? Or is like you see people coming at it from different angles. Great opportunity for Chad Mendez. He said he'd take the fight on short notice before. Now he's finally getting that opportunity. 
Conor McGregor seems to be in a lose-lose situation. Uh, he beat someone in 18 days' notice. Mendez wasn't ready. You know, what's going to happen? If you're talking about the actual fight itself, I think the short notice nature of Chad Mendes taking it benefits Conor McGregor. Um, like, McGregor knows, and he's not stupid, he's been preparing for fighting wrestlers for the last year or whatever. Like, he knows he, there's only so long you can you can stay, keep him away from wrestlers. He wasn't obviously doing it. It was obviously the UFC trying to keep him away to make the huge fight with Aldo. But he's been preparing for the wrestlers. Either way, if he has the wrestling deficiency, it's going to be shown up whether Mendes or himself had a full camp to prepare for it. That's what I think, anyway. For Mendes, obviously, he only had a couple of weeks uh, to prepare for the fight, to get his carry on shape, to prepare for McGregor. And, like, I wrote my uh, breakdown of the fight there. I put it up today. And, like, the one thing when you're looking at McGregor, there's nobody with a fighting style like him. Like, when Chris Wyden fought Anderson Silva, he brought in Wonderboy to help him out. And, obviously, like, to find someone like that who can kind of mimic him or even try to, when you look for months, like, it's kind of a hard thing to do. But, like, with 18 days' notice... Fight, like going in against Conor McGregor, everyone that fights him says it. Like it's different to f- fighting him than anyone else because his style is so unusual. And I think it's that on short notice is very hard to pay for as well. But I wonder what the other lads think about that. Jeremy, you said to me when we were when you were over in Ireland that the team alpha male guys are some of the most impressive athletes that you've seen because they stay in shape all year round. They eat very clean. I know a lot of them are vegetarian or vegan, and they're just all about that lifestyle. Do you think? That's going to affect Mendes by the looking at the videos, by understanding that he would have been helping Uriah Faber get ready for his last fight, or um, Frankie Edgar. Oh, yeah, I know, Uriah Faber for the fight with Frankie Edgar, that he is already in shape. Yeah, I mean, they stay, they really do stay in shape year round. That being said, Chad Mendes has been doing a lot of hunting over the past few months, but, uh, you know, it's not like he's staying out there and getting fat and, you know, this or that. He, he you know, he, he does stay in the gym fairly regularly, and, you know, I mean, did he have a full camp? No. Um, full camp, do I think this fight might be a little bit different? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it might be. Um, so in that way, I do think this actually affects Chad Mendes quite a bit, uh, just because, you know, and, you know, he typically works eight weeks for a specific opponent. Now he's doing it for two weeks, and that's going to that's gonna affect him. But you know, his, his camp, um, I've talked to several people around him, and they're, they're very confident. He's very confident. You know, uh, he believes that the short notice won't affect him just because he does stay in shape. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, it really, um, this is a difficult fight to take on short notice. It'd be, I mean, imagine Conor McGregor taking the fight on short notice against Chad Mendes. It'd be, you know, you're, it's a totally different style of opponent. Um, and so at the end of the day, I think it is going to affect him, yeah. Pete, Conor is, um, or sorry, Sean, go on. I, I was just thinking about, when I was doing my previews, I was thinking about the five-round nature of the fight. And it'd be interesting to hear Jeremy's thoughts on this and Pete's. Well. like, if it goes, say if it goes to the fourth or fifth round, like, Mendes has proven he can do that against Aldo last year. McGregor's never gone that far. Like, he's gone three rounds against uh, Max Holloway, but that was the only time he did it. Like, everything points him, him having good cardio, but, like, we've seen with guys before, when they get into that fourth and fifth round, like, even Brandon Dash was a perfect example a couple of months ago against Vincent Henderson, like, He's kind of a similar path to McGregor that he's a lot of early finishes and stuff. Like, how do you think if this fight goes late, it'll affect McGregor? And could it be an advantage from Mendes, or do you think it'll be an advantage from McGregor? Yeah, go to Pete or Jerry. We're going back to you. Okay, from so from what I've seen, I mean, you know, and in, in, in limited time with Connor, I mean, I, 
looks like he can go for a long time. Looks like he has fantastic cardio. But again, like you said, we've never actually uh, we haven't seen him do it. So there's no real no. It's a big unknown, right? We've seen Mendez do it. Uh, we know he can, but we also know that he's only really been training for two weeks. So how's his gas tank going to be? Um, I don't know. You know, that's another unknown. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see. But really, I mean, for both sides, we don't know because. Chad with the short camp, Connor not used to fighting championship. Right? It's it, it's they're really big unknowns on both sides. I think. PT. Oh yeah, um, I agree with I agree with Jeremy and Sean. You know, you'd have to you'd have to side with Chad, but he's gone five rounds. We've seen him do it, but um, I think it's a huge mental advantage if the fight goes to there. If the, if the fight goes into the fourth round, that's a huge edge for Mendes to have. He can come out with the blocks, just put the heat on Connor for a minute, just to make him feel like you know I'm more used to this than you are. He could it could play a bit of a difference there, but um, I don't know. I, I don't think I realistically I don't think we're going to be touching four rounds in this fight. Like either way, I don't think it, it, the, the way these two guys fight, I just don't think it goes for five rounds. The fact that it is even rounds is because the UFC announced that they are going to be having an interim title. Um, aside from the fact of whether whether it should have been an interim title or not, the way that I look at it is that they kind of needed to keep Connor as the main event on this card because um, they've done all the promoting around him fighting Aldo. So at least to keep one of the two there is better than to try re-promote it on two weeks' notice around Rory McDonald and Robbie Lawler. Um, and also... Maybe as a token or maybe as a thing for the Irish fans going over. Not that the UFC were sitting on the boardroom, millions of dollars on the line, and thought, you know, there's Irish guys coming over. Maybe we want them to see their guy lift a belt. But maybe for, fur maybe for furthermore after, that they can promote him as a champion without using the word interim. Who's going to take Sean? Go on. I, listen, man. listen, I have a few different thoughts on this interim title, right? There's two reasons the interim title was put in, okay, right? We all know they want a belt around Conor McGregor's uh, waist, as you said there. That'd be a promotional goal for them. And the other reason is, obviously, as you kind of alluded to there as well, that they want to keep this above Rory McDonald and Robbie Lauder. They want to keep McGregor's name as a headliner. Like That was kind of the, the mistake they made in um, so 178, where Mighty Mouse was headlined after Jones uh, pulled out. And like you had McGregor there against Poria, and there was another big fight on that. Was this Cowboy was fighting someone? But you had like Mighty Mouse against was Chris Carriasso as like the headliner, and that's that's the problem. Like Robbie Lawler and and Roy McDonald are great fighters, no doubt. But people are not gonna like Conor McGregor is the star. We all look, we all know it. Um, the, I actually think the interim title though benefits uh, Chad Mendes more than it benefits Conor McGregor. With a win, Conor McGregor would be fighting Jose Aldo anyway. Like we all know that Frank Edgar is not going to be put in there and get the title shot before McGregor. If Aldo immediately immediately comes back unless there's an injury or something, but if Chad Mendes beats McGregor, like there's no guarantee that he'd get there before Frank Edgar. So with the interim title belt around his waist, they're not gonna they're not gonna like pass over him with a belt for Frank Edgar. So I actually think in that way it benefits um, Mendes because he's the guy who's lost Aldo twice. He's the guy who Frank Edgar is probably above him in most people's mind for the next title shot. Uh, Jeremy, from what Sean said there, let's throw a spanner in the works. Let's say Chad Mendes beats Conor McGregor, gets injured in the process, is out long enough for Jose Aldo to recover, and they want to get Jose Aldo in there. Do they put Frank Yedger against him? Uh, that's a good question. It, it would depend on how long 
you know, Mendez is out or what? I mean, you know, if Con- if Connor wins the fight, I think they absolutely just hold it out until however long it takes for Aldo to come back. If Chad wins, that's a different story because we're not really salivating for Mendez three. Although the second fight was good, and I would watch a third fight, uh, you know, but it's not really super sellable um, to the public. So, I mean, I I, I don't I, I don't think so, uh, but you know, stranger things have happened. PC, just get your thoughts on it. There, do you think? As you're talking about the Italian 90 feel, like that it was going to be a big thing that people talk about for years to come, is the big thing Conor McGregor with a physical belt? Yeah, yeah, it is. You do, like, you know, he, he's going to take that belt. If he if he wins on the night, you know, he's going to treat it like it's the undisputed title. He's going to tell everybody it's his. He's probably going to say it straight away after he wins the thing. Um, but, yeah, it feels like, you know, for us, it, it feels like it's a marketing tool. You know, it, it obviously is. You know, it's they just, they just whipped it out there. Obviously, Allo Allo is meant to be back in October, but um, you know, you can understand it to a certain degree. Like I was reading, I think Kevin Ioli the other day, uh, when the news first came out, like seven seven fights, five fights he's pulled out of. Like it is grounds. Like I mean, I don't know if it's grounds on this case alone, but I mean, five times he's pulled out of title fights. You know, is it time? Is that the straw that breaks the camel's back? Does that happen if Connor's not in the situation? I don't think so, but. You know, it is it is grounds, I suppose, for them to say it, it was justified. Jeremy, as a man who would have saw the U.S. reaction, are people agreeing with that? Is it grounds to strip him of the well, not strip him, but to create an interim title because he last fought pretty recently? Well, it did yeah, say because I mean, of McGregor. If McGregor's not there, you know, what I mean, if if he's not yeah, there, yeah. I don't think it happens. Yeah, I think the general consensus is that you know, I mean, they, well, what most people think is that the UFC created it because they're. And I can see how people think that, you know, I mean, he has been good for business. You know, he is close with Dan and Lorenzo. But, I mean, I honestly don't think that you'd see Conor McGregor on this card if they had not created an interim title. Um, I don't think he would have fought Chad Mendez without a title on the line. I don't think he would have fought Frankie Edgar without a title on the line. Um, you know, I know he wanted to fight Nate Diaz. They did not want that. They didn't want him to move up. I still would love to see that fight someday because I think that's a fantastic fight. Uh I don't. If they hadn't created the title, I don't think you'd see him on this card. And so I actually did it as a concession to him to keep him on the card. We know he is a little bit stubborn. He can be set in his ways. I think he would have been a little more adamant of staying on the card because of the Irish fans and the UFC maybe not wanting to risk him as a title contender. Just put him in the uh, interim title fight. Sean, you got called out on Twitter today for your breakdown for not actually predicting how the fight will go or giving a winner. So let's get it out there now. How do you think the fight's going to go? Well, my prediction will be out tomorrow, so that answers that. But I think McGregor will win, to be honest. Um, I like Chapman is probably going to take him down at some stage in this fight. Um, but I think he can get back up. Like, okay, he hasn't proven he can do it yet, but he's no mug either. And like, I think people need to realize that. Like, there were sh- signs of his wrestling shown against Dennis Avery. Like, he got him down three times. He popped straight back up. He's done it in past fights as well. We can we saw the damage he's done. I can't remember his name now, but it was way back in Cage Warriors where he knocked the guy out with elbows when he was trying to take him down against the fence. We saw him take Max Stephen Holloway. O'Keefe. Stephen O'Keefe. Yeah, we saw him against Max Holloway taking him down multiple times to show off his offensive wrestling. So there is something there. Like. It, the question has to be answered, and we'll know fairly fairly quickly where it will be answered. But if McGregor can keep his fight in the feet, I think he has a, I think he has a huge advantage over him. And like watching that Dennis Seaver fight back, 
okay, De La Siva doesn't have the power of Mendes. He doesn't have the uh, athleticism. He doesn't have um, like he he's not what what um, I mean, a slightly better technician. He's slightly better defense than than uh, Mendes when they're actually standing in the pocket against each other. And the amount of times McGregor, especially after like the three or four minute mark of the first round, he started absolutely pelting him with his jab and straight left down the, down the uh, barrel. And that's a shot that Mendes has had an awful lot in his, uh, in his career to date. Um, when he's going backwards, McGregor gets caught a bit, and so does Mendes. But like that eight-inch reach advantage is absolutely huge for McGregor if the, this fight stays on the feet. Uh, the issue will be obviously like he, we know he, we know he throws his kicks to set him up. He throws a lot of wild kicks. If Mendes can catch on them and put him on his back, that's another issue. Holding McGregor down is a big issue. Um, but I think he can stay off his back long enough to, to knock him out. I think McGregor will get or uh, Mendes will get him down at some stage, but I think McGregor won't let him get him down enough for it to alter the fight. Mendes is a great chin. Uh, Aldo Aldez, Aldo knocked him down a couple of times. Pete said the second round. You know, I wouldn't disagree with that too much. Um, second, third, fourth, I think it'll be around there, but I'd probably go with I'd probably go with the third round McGregor KO. Jeremy, when we look at um, this fight from the point of view of a wrestler versus a striker, and from looking at the other fights, I actually think it's going to be a harder fight for Conor McGregor than the Aldo fight because Aldo's battle-worn. He's been in a lot of wars over his career, and Chad Mendes was landing some really good strikes and putting him in trouble in portions of the second fight. Um, whereas Chad Mendes was able to take a lot of Aldo's and keep going forward with the exception of the end of that first round. Um, does that angle interest you at all? Because that Mendes may actually be able to take some of Connor's best shots in order to get him to the ground. I think it, I mean, I think it is a much harder fight um, than, than Aldo would have been. I, I, for the same reasons you thought, because you know the miles around Aldo and all that he's been, and I, I did think that Connor was going to handle Jose Aldo quite easily. Uh, which I, you know, never thought I would say that. Um, Mendez, you know, I mean, I don't know. Um, if we had a full camp, I think I would be saying something entirely differently. Um, I just don't know that, that he's going to be able to put the pressure on that he needs to put on. You know, both guys are looking forward. I don't know that he's going to be able to put on the kind of pressure that he that he has just because he has a train for it. Uh, you know, and, and Connor keeping that lead so far forward really takes away that double leg that Chad loves, the, the power double that he loves using. So I, I don't think the takedowns are going to be as easy as, as folks think they are. And, and because of that, I do think Chad's in trouble. I think Connor probably knocks him out in the second round. Pete, we spoke about it before that we think um, one of the biggest improvements in Connor's striking game came after the Holloway fight. And that was because he finally fought someone in his career that liked to fight a similar way that he did, um, off the back foot and utilizing a lot of counter strikes. Since then, he's been able to improve himself going forward, attacking me, and being able to bring the fight to someone um, using the kicks to set up range and then going, going to town either with the low right uppercut that he uh, likes to throw from his hip if guys are trying to close the distance, or maybe a left straight, his left jab. Do you think this is going to be an effect because we've, We've seen the improvement of what happens when he fights someone that comes up against him. Now Chad Mendes is ultimately going to come up against him. Are we going to get to see Connor maybe perform where he's best at, and that's off the back foot, keeping him at range? Um, I, I can actually see Connor bearing down on uh, Mendes, to be honest with you, because I've seen Mendes, he does stay in the pocket, but he knows when to get out, and he actually takes considerable steps back, and you can see him going towards the cage, and that's usually when Connor will 
will get onto his opponents and chase them down, put their back on the fence. Do you know, just have them backing up to that point. I think I think uppercuts are going to be huge in this fight. Um, it's just he's a bit shorter, Chad, and I just I, I think they work so well for me. He's been talking about uppercuts a whole lot as well in the lead up to this. He was talking about the brimage fight. He was talking about them when Aldo was involved, but he was just talking about the uppercuts in general. It's something that he wanted to utilize a lot more, and I think they're they're, they're well suited for kind of Chad is ducking in and, and the way he explodes and he, he kind of explodes across short distance to land that big overhand right and um, you know I, I can see kind of having a lot of success with uppercuts I want to see him on his on his back though I want to see Chad put him on his back like I don't want this to be uh, you know kind of little scrambles and like you know standing kind of grappling I want to see kind of on his back and I want to see him get up and I, I think that's what a lot of people want to see they want to see can he get up Let's let's answer this question. Make sure I want to see Chad put that question to him. Um, but yeah, ultimately I'm saying as Jeremy, I've said uh, second round KO, and um, I'm sticking with it. Do you think um, when you're talking about Connor off his back, we're going to see a Neil Siri esque barrage of violence on how to win a round off your back in modern MMA? No, I think you're going to see him utilize a guard position. And make a bit of space and just get back up. I just want to. I just want them. I want to see the uh, a pressure of an American wrestler on top of him and see what he does with it. You know what I mean? I want to. I, I think he. Would, I, I know what's going to happen. That's what. That's why I'm so intrigued by. I want to. I want to see what happens. You know, and um, I don't think it's easy to get him down. Uh, but you know, uh, what what do I know about wrestling? So <laughs> we need to. We need to wait and see. And that's that's the, that's the most intriguing thing about the matchup for me. That's that's what everyone said is going to happen. So well, a lot of people think this is going to be the, the big threat to, to Connor. You can't say he has fought a like a, a wrestler with Chad's pedigree. So I wanted to see him use that pedigree uh, to his advantage on Saturday night. Just on the topic of the one last thing on the uppercut that you were talking about. All throughout a lot of these guys' MMA careers, John Cavanagh has spoke about how he studies a lot of tape and he's very statistical and evidence-based and there's so many techniques in MMA that you see used in so many other fights and once he sees it's been used, used a lot, that's a technique that he wants to maybe introduce into his gym. And if you want to go back as far as the Cage Warriors days, I remember when Chris Fields was having trouble maybe takedowns against the cage, it was just... A thing that they picked up, I think, from a brown belt uh, from Robert Drysdale's gym that dropped into their city centre gym one day, showed Chris Fields a thing, just pretty much getting a really deep underhook clasp in your hands and lifting them up. It's something that the SBG team then started implementing. When we talk about the uppercuts, since Conor McGregor beat Marcus Brimage with a barrage of them, Peter Queeley, Kyle Pendred, all of those guys are starting to throw that into their arsenal as well. So we're seeing that come down through the pipeline, maybe Conor's the innovator, and then he's it's kind of progressing down to the other um, other levels of the team. Jeremy, you were actually in SBG Ireland just before we get on to the other fights. You were over there when you, were visit, when you visited us over here. What was it like over there? Did you see in some of the amateur fighters, maybe them picking up after Connor, maybe some of the ways that they talk, maybe the way that they act? Like they're all so confident there from interviewing so many of them now. The self-belief that those guys have, having witnessed firsthand the rags to riches tale of Connor McGregor, that this is possible for me too. Yeah, I mean, when I was at SBG, it was fairly early, uh, and, you know, the gym was mostly empty. There were some kids and doing some stuff, but it, it was mostly empty. When I when I uh, spent time with Connor and the team over here, I mean, in, in Las Vegas, uh, yeah, I mean, I could kind of see they, they have kind of picked up some of his mannerisms, and, you know, a lot of them are starting to do the, I mean, you've seen it as well as I've seen it. Connor can't stand still for five minutes without stretching or doing something uh, athletic. I saw him 
jump up. We were at, at his, one of his commercial shoots, and he found a scaffold and jumped up and just hung off of it uh, to stretch his back out. And, you know, <laughs> whole team is kind of picking that kind of thing up, and they're all, you know, it's a bunch of dudes standing around stretching. Uh, you can see he's definitely had an influence on the team. This being first experience with all of them, um, it was pretty interesting to see. Peter, if you just want to give one thing on that, because you are inside the Mac Mansion, your series that are going out on Severa May, a must-read whenever they come out. Uh, Fran, why do, what are you laughing for? You think I'm taking the pissy here or something? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> go on. You, Sorry, you were in there. You saw what it was like. You saw, if you want to go on about it, James Gallagher was the first fight today at the Irish Amateur, or at the International Amateur World Championships, and he won his match in uh, the third round, rear naked choke. So there we go. Maybe it is. Maybe this is the week that multiple Irish people become world champions. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I'd love I'd love it to happen. You know, I'd, I'd love to see it there. I mean, the 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 guys over there in Mac Mansion made me feel really welcome when I was there. You know, um, I went out with the team a good bit. It was it was great to see them the way they are. I felt a bit uncomfortable because I was the only guy that wasn't fighting there. <laughs> but uh, you know, um, the training looks great. You know, they they've um, they've really got a great bond. They're all got all these people immersed in the fight game really for, for the eight weeks I've been out there or ten weeks whatever it was but um and you know you'd hope you'd hope that they get what they want out of it you know it's 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 a, been a big effort from from all of them you know it's cost Connor a lot of money as well so um yeah sorry what was the question man did you ask me about my um, question just to... no no it was just you were inside you would have saw how the guys were and how they're acting I know you would see a lot of them more at the Irish MMA events but it really seems like the influence from Connor and the team has been very very positive yeah they have, they have yeah they've, they've been kind of everything's about being the champion there Every everyone's about it you know that's that's what the, the words are using there's about belts it's about goals about champions about number one that's that's why the Aldo thing when he changed like it was kind of weird because I went over how like this faceless opponent. I've always wondered about it. Is it true? And I have to say, Aldo was brought up a handful of times, and I don't think any of them times Connor was talking about him. You know what I mean? So uh, you know, it's 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 uh, let's. I, I can see him doing the same thing over and over again every time he goes to Vegas. Because if he had done it over here, I think it would have been absolutely mental. I think SPG Ireland would have just been would have been swarmed with fans. One thing I want to ask. PC and Jeremy, just before we get on to the other fights. There's, there's been a rumour going around on uh, on the internet that McGregor's carrying an injury. And I don't want you to go all on Anahisa on it now, but like you've been there in the Mac Mansion looking at him training and stuff. Like, have you seen any ill effects of his training? Like, has his training gone well as far as you've seen, or has he been affected by any injuries or anything like that? Well, he, like, nothing at all. Like, I mean, I was... He, he just... He was doing wrestling training while I was there, jiu-jitsu, grappling, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I would have seen it if it happened there, you know what I mean, because of all the twisting and turning. He was doing the same kind of guard pass and he's against Holloway, like the thing that affected the knee in the first place. Um, the only thing, like, you think, uh, but, I mean, it's nothing really because you can see it on the embedded thing. Yeah, the guy comes in and rubs him down every day. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, uh, that's I suppose, that's uh, not, not, what, uh, not what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd prefer to not talk about the, Injury or non-injury, but I can tell you that just watching him train, uh, same thing as Pete Steele tell you, like if, if he does or doesn't have one, uh, it doesn't appear to be affecting him one iota. He moves just fine. You never know if he does or does not have one, uh, so I don't think it's a problem either way. Sean, um, 
you mentioned there the other fights. Yeah. What one are you looking most forward to? Is it Neil Siri? Because to be honest, I think that Vegas is in for a little bit of a treat when you look at it from the point of view that the Irish fans are there from the start. Pete's smiling already. The, the words Neil Siri just bring a smile to that man's face. Absolutely <laughs> nothing you can do about it. Pete's best friend. Is it, is it going to be the fact that, you know, the Irish people are there from the word go? Neil Siri's going to be fighting early on. We're finally going to see maybe a full arena at the start of a Vegas card. I know, Jeremy, you know a lot more about that, like how empty they generally are at the start. The Irish are going to be there in droves. Uh, will this maybe affect the overall atmosphere, build it up a little bit, that the Irish are there from the very first bell? Yeah, I think it will. I think it'd be a bit like UFC Dublin, like when Paddy Hulhan kind of set it all off. Series there from the second fight, and like I put up the times today, the Irish guys are fighting, and Series there the first fight. Cahill's there halfway through the um, the prelims. Then Gunnar Nelson and then Carl McGregor obviously at the at the top of the show. So the whole way through, there's kind of something for the Irish fans there, and obviously. Like you said, 25% are Irish. I bet you there's a lot more that bought tickets in America that are on J1s or whatever is going to be there as well. And, you know, all the Irish-Americans, plastic patties are going to be there as well. So there's going to be, a, yeah, there's going to be a huge thing. That Siri fight should be really good. Like small guy, we saw him in his last fight. He, Shawn Michaels super kicked the guy to, to sleep, um, Richie Vass, I think. Um, I think, like, he's a judo guy as well, but I think Siri's, uh, Siri fought Phil Harris there a couple of uh, months ago. Obviously, he's a good judo guy as well, so he's well prepared for someone like that. He he's a karate stylist as well, and I think Siri's been looking for someone to stand in the pocket and trade with him. And I think it's going. Be, I think it's just going to be a great fight. Like Siri's some of the best hands in the division, and like a guy kind of. I know I spoke to PC about this before, but like when he came into the UFC, I was never expecting him to like become what he has become. And like, I don't think he'd be fighting for a title or anything, or like. But I think. Like he would have winning on Saturday night, he could be in, like you could argue could be in the top fifteen. There's no one with a like I think apart from Demetrius Johnson and, and maybe Joseph Benavidez, like he'll have the longest winning streak with three fights of anyone. Like that fight against Brad Pickett as well, you could argue he won that. Although it was it was probably Pickett's, but it was very close. But yeah, um, it'd be interesting to hear what PC says about him now. Like, are you hoping he he gets knocked out, PC, or what? So I don't have to be paying for any more interviews. <laughs> yeah, like I'm running out of fibers, you know what I mean? But, uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, the thing is, the thing is with Siri, I think he deserves better building than he's got. I've always said it, look, he was delighted to be on this card, um, and you can understand why he's there at the start of it, but I just, I always get the feeling, that no matter what he does, he's never going to, they're never going to give him a good crack at the top of a card. I mean, why was, why was he at the bottom of the card in Sweden? You know what I mean? That, it made no sense. Chris Beal was an undefe undefeated fighter. He was he was a good name for that card. When you look through that card, Chris Beal was a big name. Neil Siri was a big name, a former world champion. They should be fighting up there, you know? Um, three, he goes, uh, Paul Dollery said it, didn't he? Three, this would be the most, the biggest consecutive win streak outside of uh, Demetrius Johnson. Um, obviously, Siri's age is playing against him. But he looks great. He looks young when he's in there. He, you know, he... He looks as good as any. Like I think he has a, like some of the best boxing uh, basics in, in the whole division. I think. I think. I'd love to know what Jeremy thinks of that actually, because um, I, I don't know if he, he's kind of appreciated as much as he should be across the water, or else I just appreciate him too much. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, I he's a fantastic boxer. I agree with you. I also don't think he looks young in there. I think he looks like he's fifty-five years old. But I mean, <laughs> like, well, yeah, you're right. He has great boxing. I'm looking forward to that fight. I, you know, I mean, you're, I can tell you're, you're practically glowing there, PT. Holy crap! 
<laughs> I'm just thinking of all that money I'm going to save when he wins that bonus. <laughs> the late, the late part of the party, the newest man into the Mac Mansion, after wanting to get on one of 28 potential welterweight fights over the next couple of weeks, Kyle Pendred has got his date. This weekend, probably, well, easily, his biggest fight against John Howard, his toughest fight. Something inside me tells me that the fact that he's so annoyed over the last fight, his intensive camp in Mexico, which got uh, lost him a lot of money, or maybe he just wanted to get in before the July 11th card so he could get another run out with sponsors before it's all Reebok. Which one was it? Who's going to take it? Sean Sheehan. Uh, yeah, I think it was just because his camp cost him so much money, like he spoke about it after the fight, that basically his whole show money was spent on the camp, and like some of his win money too, I'm probably... Um, yeah, he needed... Like, this is kind of a wise thing. I was actually thinking about it last night. Like, if you come out of a fight unscathed after, like, a long camp, it kind of behooves you to... Is that the right word? I don't know. Uh, to take another fight pretty quickly. So, like, you cut down your costs and everything if you can get a pretty good matchup. Um, so, yeah, he's kind of putting the cost of two camps into one. If he comes out and gets to win, it'll be great. But if he doesn't, like, it'll be bad. But I remember... Call it as an interview I saw a long time ago, but I remember he took a short notice fight before in Liverpool and he ended up losing it. Uh, you probably know better than me now, Andrew, especially. Um, but I wonder could that like could that play effect again? Will he be thinking about something like that? Howard is coming in off of three losses, and you think with Pinder coming in off of four wins that he probably had the advantage. But I don't know. I think it's I think it's going to be a close fight, and like Pinder is having problems getting over with a lot of the audiences in America and even in Ireland. So. I think it's a it's a must win for both guys. I don't think John Howard. Oh, I don't sorry, think, Jeremy. Sorry, I, I don't think John Howard is, is very good anymore. I think this is probably a, a slam dunk for Pendred, honestly. Um, I I I have not been impressed with John Howard since he returned to the UFC, and even before that, haven't been very impressed. So yeah, I mean, I, I as for why I mean I don't know why he can't as you say, get over with the, with the fans here. I, I you know, I, I don't understand why he doesn't get over with the fans of Ireland. I don't understand that either. I mean, he doesn't exactly have exciting fights for the most part. Maybe that changes. Um, I mean, but I, as far as just a win loss here, I, I don't see John Howard actually giving him much of a fight at all, honestly. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with Jeremy on that. I'd agree with, like, I mean, <clears throat> I think we saw, did we see John Howard in Boston against Lorenz Larkin, was it? Yeah. I, I think I did, yeah. yeah. Um, he did like he didn't even look like he wanted to be here before the fight. You know, he, he was just kind of you could. I, I saw a guy that was going about his motions, you know, going about the motions rather than you know he's he's not there to do anything anymore. <clears throat> apart from like you know fight collectors money, that's the way I, I looked at it. What is he on a three fight skid? You know, I think the three. Like, you know, I don't think he has anything. He has a he has a powerful punch. He has, he's a strong power puncher. But you know, the one thing. Uh, Carl has an abundance is like that tough chain of his. You, you'd have to park and articulate a truck on his face to knock him out and just keep reversing over him or something. But um, he's, I think it, I think it's an easy fight for Carl. I think he should be coming out with this with a win, and he and he should potentially finish the fight. To be honest with you, Carl Pendered back in the early Facebook and boards that these days had an ongoing war with the uh, Clampers in Dublin. If you remember that, Pizzi himself and Paddy Hulahan. Yeah. Clampers. Yeah, they used to post their game, their catches on their Facebook statuses after they get clamped in Dublin. Paddy Houlihan apparently had a, an excellent uh, manner or method for somehow they weren't on his car anymore. Oh, he teaches me. 
anyway, from that, uh, PG, just will uh, continue this with you. It, it could have been, in theory, the perfect night for Irish MMA. Conor McGregor beating Jose Aldo to become the first world champion. Gunnar Nelson avenging SBG's first loss inside uh, the UFC back at UFC 93 against John Hathaway. How is this change of, like, okay, we've been ruined with the fairy tale on two, um, two ways, but um, what's Gunnar going to do now? Is he, is he still going to win? It's a very tough fight for him. I think John Hathaway was a pretty good tune-up fight for Gunnar coming back after the story loss. Yeah, I think it's a, a way more dangerous for you. Like, obviously, the first round with Ruckus, you're in, you're in for a bit of a, a, a rough old time for them first 40 you, minutes. You He's really so wanted dangerous. to say Ruckus again, didn't you? <laughs> huh? You really wanted to say Ruckus twice there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Did I do that? I don't even know. But, no, uh, he He's uh, he's so dangerous. I think he's devastating. Like I can't. I'm looking through my my fingers when I'm watching that fella fight. You know, in that first round. Um, but I think Ben Henderson's given us the blueprint on how to beat him. Um, I think if if Gunnar can survive for the first round, uh, I think if this fight touches the ground, I think it's done. I mean, I, I don't think. I think Ben Henderson. He he managed to get out. I don't know if it was the end of the round or what happened, but he managed to. You know, it started from standing again anyway. But uh, I think he's not going to get that chance if he hits the ground with Gunny. Um, you know, he's so he's so good, so good on the. On Jeremy, while PT is frozen there again, <laughs> counter, counteract his point there. Would you not argue that Rick's story give us the game plan on how to beat Gunnar Nelson? Yeah, I think so, but I mean the one that solidified it. I agree with him. Um, I think that he's he's absolutely the one that solidified the way to beat him. I, I mean, I'm really looking forward to this fight. I think it's interesting, and, and I agree with Peachy. Like he absolutely is terrifying to watch him fight because you never he's he's just pure violence. But if you get him to the ground, which I think I think Nelson has a pretty good chance of doing, uh, I think he's a fish out of water, as we saw. Um, and if he was a fish out of water with Henderson, he's really going to be a fish out of water here. I think Gunnar Nelson's going to eat him up, to be honest. Uh, I think I think he's a, Gunnar Nelson's a terrible matchup for uh, Brendan Thatch. Like if he comes in throwing those kicks, he's going to get caught and he's going to get tripped and put in his arse and submitted straight away. Like I wouldn't be surprised if this was a very quick submission win. Uh, as Pete said there, it's like Vincent Henderson showed out the showed the blueprint on how to beat him. Um, if it goes a couple of rounds, I definitely fancy Nelson. But even if it's the first round and it hits the floor. I don't think there's, I don't think Tatch is surviving with him. We're coming up in the final couple of minutes here. Two quick things, uh, quick enough questions for each of you. Sean, I already know the answer to your question. I'm going to ask, what do you think the worst part of next week is going to be? And that's obviously that you are going to be in charge of Severe MMA HQ. That I have to write about four more previews for fucking events next week. Jesus. Why would I put so many events? Um, the worst as part as the Jeremy point. told you before, once you get good enough, you'll only have to cover the big ones like he gets to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. The worst part of it will be uh, <laughs> if McGregor wins, it'll be all the unfollowers I get for sticking it down people's throat. And if he loses, it'll, <laughs> it'll be everyone's like, oh, we told you he wasn't real and all this. And I don't know. This this thing about him being exposed as a fighter, it just it sticks in my craw a lot. Um, even if Mendez does beat him, and it, like if he just completely out wrestles him and everything, um, he's still like the top four 
featherweight in the world. He's still dismantled Dustin Poirier. Like, he'd probably beat Ricardo Lamas. He'd beat Cub Swanson. I don't know. I, I Okay, he could disprove him as a championship level fighter, but he's still only 26, uh, six fights into the UFC. But, uh, and he can come back if he loses. It's my thought. I think yours is going to be the same as mine, that we're going to have to wear jeans and shirts in the pretty much in the middle of the desert at something like 30-something degrees. Jeremy's accustomed to it. It was lash and rain all day here today. You know, we're going to be struggling men from tomorrow. What's, what? Let's just get it out there. What do you think is going to be the least uh, favorable thing for you this week? The flight. I hate flying. I'm terrified of flying. It's 100% <laughs> the flight. I, this is a true story, right? I was on a plane once with my girlfriend. And the plane dropped, dropped like a hundred feet or some shit. But it only took a second, okay? Everyone screamed on the plane. The air hostesses fell, and at the end, there was just children crying at me. And <laughs> Elaine had to get the like the air hostess was telling one of the children what happened. Like, oh no, it's, it happens all the time and all. She had to get the air hostess to come over to me and tell me what happened because I was that much of a hysterical mess. So that's the flight will be the worst part for me. <laughs> <laughs> for you, I'm guessing it might be how drunk you're going to be, or be made to be. <laughs> Tell you what, I'm going to try to avoid that guy right there, Pizza Carroll. I'll be okay <laughs> if I can, if I can avoid him for three or four days. <laughs> Stay far away. <laughs> far away. Sean, um, very, very quickly, because we're going to ask what the best thing about the week is going to be. You're a massive, massive fan of this guy. You've got a man crush on him. Your second boyfriend behind Wonder Boy, Rory McDonald. Uh, biggest fight of his career this weekend. Rory, the Red Lion, whatever. Red King. Red King. Are we gonna see his are we gonna see his coming back party this Saturday? Yeah, I think it tells you enough about the fight that we forgot it like four times on this chat already. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think uh, Yeah, I, I think he's gonna win. Um like the la the, they obviously fought before and Robbie Lawler won. Um I think Rory has started out what he wasn't good at before. Like, I, th I think it was Jeremy talking about or someone said it that like he, he kind of found a way to lose fights before. I think he started that now. I think a lot of his problems a lot of his problems came from the fact that he was kind of he was iffy about throwing power strikes in the pocket and he was iffy about his defense. Like when you, you see Rory McAllen comes out and like he's very defensively sound. He throws his jab um, and he throws the shots behind. And he does like. He's the, the quintessential hit and not get hit fighter. But I think now he's found a way to hit hard and not get hit as well in the pocket. Um, I think he'll be able to pick Robbie Lawler apart on the feet. He'll be able to, like in the first fight, he took him down a lot, even though Lawler's takedown defense has improved a good bit since that again. Uh, but I, like I think Rory's going to win everywhere on this side. I think he'll finish him in the fourth round. That's what I'm going for. Jeremy, do you agree with Sean there? I do. I think Robbie Lawler. I mean, uh, I think Robbie Lawler, um, while his career resurgence has been pretty impressive, uh, Roy McDonald is still a better all-around fighter. And you know, I, I do think that he's he's patched up some holes in his game and kind of fixed himself up mentally. And um, I honestly don't see this being a close fight. I will differ with Sean. I think this goes to a decision, though. I think we're probably going to be fairly boring. I but I do think uh, Roy McDonald will be the new the new welterweight champion. Seems a lot of people are split on this. Uh, maybe not exactly in the outcome, but that it's either going to be a barn burner or a pretty boring fight. You know, a couple of people have said that to me. They think it's going to be a bit of a snooze fest. Um, and then other people are saying it's going to be an all-out war. Um, I don't think I so. Think I think it's... 
Go on, Jeremy. Uh, I was just saying, I think it's going to be pretty boring. Roy, when Roy's at his best, uh, he's not an exciting he's player. He's boring. That's yeah. the way it's been. So, yeah, I think you're going to see that. Pizza Peter's just stroking his face here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think Roy's going to be in with decision. New new era. It's new era. New champions all around. I love how you're getting darker and darker all the time. Yeah, because yeah, he, no, he has no light on. So we'll, we'll let him go before he's completely unilluminated by his Mac screen. And you can tell whenever he uh, goes back onto his Finder page, because the screen is brighter than the Google Hangout. There he goes back now. There he goes back brighter. Is that um, you do it? I, so it seems. Oh, yeah. yeah. There you are. Mac secrets. Mac hacks. Um, uh, finish with you, oh, you first, PT. The best thing about next week. You know, as I said, we were lucky enough to be at the other McGregor fights in the States. Um, we've seen the fans, we've seen everything. For me, anyway, before I get on to you, I think the Wayans are going to be the most epic part of next week. Um, apparently, maybe Jeremy could actually confirm this, the full MGM is going to be open for the Wayans, as opposed to the half one that usually is. So they're going to try to get as many people in there, particularly as many Irish uh, that you could in there. We saw, you and I saw, we were given tickets to give away in Boston. The demand for people looking for Wayne tickets is the Irish flights we're getting in later on. They don't need to worry about it now. For me, the Wayans are going to be the highlight regardless of the rest of the week. Maybe winning a gold medal the Friday myself with the American <laughs> Nationals. Had to get that in jiu-jitsu. Peter Carroll, what do you think? Just like eating is usually the best part for me in America. I like the food, you know what I mean? That's what I'm all about over there. Give me some bacon, give me some eggs, give me some hash browns. That's the best part of America, food. But not Sean, I suppose. Um, kind of, kind of, I thought that was a legitimate answer. We went to a diner in Boston, and I've never seen you as happy before in your life. I know, I know. But listen, the best thing about this is going to be the lion dancing bar in Treasure <laughs> Island. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. The what? I don't get it. Lion dancing. You'll know. Lion dancing. All right. Yeah, you don't know. They, 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 with the cowboy hats, they all line up and they, they click their hands and the rest of it. You go in there and you will be mesmerized. I've never seen grown men wear cowboy hats seriously and dance in that fashion seriously and it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. I'm not even messing. It was unbelievable. Sean Cheehan, he obviously never saw Friday Night Lights at some of the uh, pep rallies for the big games. Peter Carroll. Peter Carroll, you're a massive fan. You're in love with Julie Taylor. You should know this stuff. <laughs> Sean, best part of next week for you. My best part of next week is when they close the cage door behind Rory McDonald and Robbie Lawton. No, Conor McGregor and uh, Chad Mendes. <laughs> they just go at it. Like, after 90 seconds, I think we'll know who's going to win the fight. And, like, it, it's, that's that's what I'm going to enjoy the most and probably, like, dread the most because it's just... Just waiting for that is going to be unbelievable. And seeing it, um, can't wait. Just can't wait. Jeremy, as a man who is completely captivated with Ireland when he came over here and is planning on coming back to the October show, I'm guessing maybe the fans, the experience, the atmosphere is what's going to win it over for you. Yeah, you guessed it. That, I mean, the last one, UFC 178, uh, there was nothing like it. it just, it, uh, I just walked around the casino smiling because uh, it, was, it was awesome. It was awesome, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that experience again. Uh, and again, uh, to avoiding Pizzi Carroll and not drinking with him, that's my game plan for the week. Uh, but I really do. I'm really looking forward to it. I have to ask you one quick thing before you go. Was it the Irish fans at 178, the experience, the atmosphere, the carnival-like thing that made you think, 
I need to get over there. I need to do a story on this. Because um, I know you have a pretty big Conor McGregor story coming out this week, I believe. Yeah, that story comes out Wednesday. And, yeah, that was one of the things. I was like, man, this is a – I'd like to get over there and experience the roots of this and, you know, kind of find out where he came from. Uh, and so, yeah, that was a little bit of the, the beginnings of that. Uh, I got to do it, and I'm looking forward to this week. Thank you very much. Well, from that, an hour went by very quickly. Sorry, we were only supposed to be 45, so I'm sorry for keeping uh, anyone either watching watching this boring video an extra 15 minutes longer or any of the three gentlemen that were uh, glad enough to be on the panel today. Uh, Severe and me all head out tomorrow morning uh, on three completely separate flights and routes. Myself, Pizzi, and Graham. And um, we're going to get into Vegas tomorrow. Unparalleled coverage coming from Europe of, of UFC 189 this week. We are looking forward to it immensely. Sean Sheehan, you'll be getting a copious amount of Snapchats and pictures uh, throughout the week to Severe before and we go, HQ. Before we go, one thing. Head uh, if you want to support the website, you can sign up for Betfair. We have a four to one offer. You can put on a ten euro maximum bet. SevierMMA.com forward slash betufc189. You'll get four to one odds when you sign up and put a ten euro bet on. So, and as as we in the as you know, as I said earlier, we in the hip hop world say we get a little bit of cash money thrown back at us for every person that signs up. Bit so if you would be the time, you're pretty much paying for the beers that are going to get Jeremy Bader drunk, uh, courtesy of Peter Carroll. This is going to be Don't a great week. <laughs> Don't just leave. Just leave. Um, thank you. Uh, I'm the, coming to give those, it to Jeremy. <laughs> for uh, for those of you that are fans of the podcast, uh, we will be doing some sort of a podcast over there in Vegas through the magic of either Skype or Google Hangouts. So me and Sean will be in your lives again further on. But until then, keep it dialed. All things Severe made this week for extensive coverage, and be sure to head on over to Bleacher Report to see Jeremy's feature on Conor McGregor that comes out on Wednesday. Thanks for your time, and we'll see you soon.